What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. (laughs) Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Welcome back, everybody, to the big, to the big little show. That the big little, <laughs> big little lies. What did you? I don't know what that is. That's a. Program. My wife watched Big Little Lies. I didn't watch it. Is it a ladies' it program? Like a, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily. It's a bunch of ladies in it. Right. Okay. It's like mostly ladies, but. I don't know. It's a bunch of like middle-aged Karens pissed off in Santa Barbara. It literally is a bunch of middle-aged Karens in like Southern California. Well, I don't need that. Um, I'm, I'm sure like, it's lovely. Fucking watch this. I'd rather watch. Let's watch Beetlejuice again. <laughs> Beetlejuice keeps coming up, man. I love okay. Beetlejuice. <laughs> Damn! I love it, dude. It's uh, it's Beetlejuice it's, what's his season. name? Uh, Michael Michael Keaton from Clean and Sober who fucking relapses Just, and dies. This <laughs> joke is run through like three of these podcasts. <laughs> I, know. I watched uh what did we oh shit, I already lost it. Oh, I've been watching Shits Creek, it's just pretty funny. Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country's great. I've been watching a lot of um I've been noticing a lot of shows in popular culture having a lot of representation mm-hmm. uh for 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 black Americans. Uh Lovecraft Country, we've been watching Fargo. Um, Chris Rock is in that one, right? It's weird to see him as a tough guy, but well, he pulls is he it good? Because I've never yeah. thought of him as dude. A good you know actor. who else is in it? Fucking Andrew Bird is in it. I just saw that. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Andrew Bird. I'm all, yo, is that is that mortuary dude Andrew Bird? <laughs> that mortician? Yo, that's Andrew Bird. And in one one mm-hmm. scene, he comes in happy and he's whistling like of really he is, well because right? he's the kick-ass he's a whistler. whistler. Yeah, yeah. He um, and his name is his his way. I'm sorry to be interrupting. His ahead. character's name is Thurman Thurman. <laughs> It's terrible. I mean, it's great, but it's terrible. Yeah. He once was in an interview and he said something about the effect of if he couldn't, um, if he lost his arms and couldn't play the violin, that he would he would still be happy because he would be able to whistle. Yeah, he's like a kick-ass whistler. He, he is. He's like one competition. Listen, uh, listeners out there, y'all got to fuck with Andrew Bird. You really do. It's beautiful I mean, music. It's gorgeous. Uh, I, I think Jerry and I both saw him in the late 90s. Um yeah, he was he toured with uh, he was part of the Squirrel Nut Zippers originally, right? I didn't see him in the late nineties with the Squirrel Nut. You guys all went to go see Squirrel Nut. I didn't have enough money, but we did see him drunk in the park in Seattle at the zoo. That's right. Yeah, That's and Megan right. won a tote bag. That's right. <laughs> I had a T-shirt for a long time. Yeah, it had like a sock monkey on it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Welcome to A is for Alcoholic. It'd just be us doing music recommendations for an hour. I mean, that's, I don't know. Is anybody interested in that? I have no idea what people are interested in. I mean, I, I assume it has something to do with sobriety. They want some gritty, hardcore recovery. So, um, let's talk some gritty, hardcore recovery. Let's talk it. Let's so, keep uh, it real. The letter is Q. It's not for <laughs> QAnon. That's the wrong Anon. Um, no. I feel like they've they've co-opted the anonymous... Um, 
But uh, Q, Q would just do our regular q and I think. Um, yeah. So I but reached out. you got out. like, what, two questions? <laughs> I actually, surprisingly, I got a few more than, than, than two. But, you know, I, uh, whatever. You know, like, I, I, I just, I don't want to scold the audience for not reaching out to me but yeah y'all don't gotta ask us questions <laughs> no, you really I'll, don't even I'll on a question out. and answer show i'm always i'm always like ready i've been i've got other other topics and stuff like that and we can yeah. talk about the quick and the dead that sharon stone movie from like 93 i never have never seen it but i know the hack the hackman is in yes, it. i've the, never seen it is she the gunfighter in that because uh-huh. what the fuck it's weird that's it's cool. like this weird sort of like but it okay we're not going to talk about the quick and the dead um all right <laughs> so Let's just start off first. Um, I did get a message, a couple of funny ones. Um, Nikki wanted to know how I kept my hair so amazing, and I she was kidding um, because it was an absolute mess, and I don't know what I'm doing with it. But it's there's no uh, so I wanted to give you my uh, my simple seven step hair care routine. Let's hear it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Good. I'm kidding. It's bar soap. Oh. That's it. I, I mean, it's you. I don't wash your hair with bar soap, John. Oh my god. I guess I need to get some conditioner. What? Or are you in a war? Is this World War Two? <laughs> are you stormy Normandy tomorrow? Like, don't use bar soap. Like, buy some nice shampoo. I guess. Put a little conditioner on it every time. Just shampoo it once a week. A little mm-hmm. conditioner once, like maybe three times a week. You're good. Shit'll be all shiny. It'll look all beautiful. Right. Get some of that tail. You ever in see Maine? that movie? You ever see that movie Belly? No. There's there's a great character in Belly. I can't remember his name now, but in one scene, he's like eating a banana. He's like, yo, we got to get them motherfuckers. And he has like the most beautiful hair. It's like shiny as shit, and it's like flipped out. He's got like a 60s flip. Anyway, that's what you got to go for. That's what I'm working on The joke on doesn't here. work. The reference doesn't work if you've never seen it. You should watch Belly. This is okay. going to be all of us talking about movies. Anyway, so <laughs> your, hair, your hair is... It, you Listen, you got good intentions. Right. Just, you know, your, your the execution, execution is, a little, yeah. is a little fucked up. Mm. All right. <laughs> the execution is the other one. I did get another question, and I'm sorry I don't have the listener's name here in front of me, but wanted to know when Jerry was going to record another intro without the space chicken or something like that. He was kind of joking too, but and I said, well, you oh, know, for the Patreon for ones? the for the promo, the little thing, and I was like, well, I need to write one first. So yeah, um, I'll do a new one. You'll do probably next season or something like that. We'll start yeah. fresh, but um, so yeah. Um, but one of the, so let's start with, um, now here's an interesting one. And I, I only have a few things to say. I only have a couple of things to say about this, but, um, this one comes from, uh, Gerald Passarch on Facebook. Wow. <laughs> That's a blast from the past. Mm-hmm. I hope he's doing good. Yeah. Anyway, let's hear his, his question. So he, uh, wanted to know if we knew anything about European habits and views on drinking as compared to here. Oh, that's a good question. <clears throat> and I'll, I thought he was going to be like, yo, Jerry, what'd you do with my fucking favorite shirt back in 1998? <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. He was an old roommate from 98 slash 99, I guess. Yeah. And we yeah, all lived yeah, together. Well, yeah, 98 to like 2000 Something at the like 3060. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I met a gentleman by the name of uh, Francesco, and mm-hmm. he was friend of a friend. And the way that it turned out, he was from Italy. He was from uh, southern Italy. And he stayed with us for a little while. Like, he was yeah. in, in the United States trying to get a degree or so, – there was something that he was – something, some education he was getting. And I remember him hanging out, and he slept on our couch. And he'd come out to the bars with us. And we'd all get our shots, and we'd slam our shots, and we'd get more. 
and he would just be so, he was like dumbfounded he was absolutely dumbfounded by he's like you Americans you drink so quickly and then we'd be passed out or drunk or like back to the house at 11 o'clock because we'd go out at 7 and be too hammered to be or be completely blackout drunk getting you mm-hmm. know the Totino's party pizza and the uh, mm-hmm. jug of wine and the you know whatever at 7-Eleven and he could never understand it he said in Italy we get ourselves a little cordial or whatever and you sit mm-hmm. out there on the cafe or on the what on the Romblas that's in Spain but um and you would just sit there and you sip it and you enjoy the company of your friends and your family <laughs> and and you take your time and we would we will drink until four o'clock in the morning but we just sip uh-huh. it and right. and that to me I was like that's fucking crazy I just want to get hammered right Francesco and then the- I can't um dude I love Francesco he's a good guy <laughs> but I can't imagine him coming from this provincial Italian life. I love the word provincial, by the way, where they're just these old buildings and tons steeped in tons of history. And humans are humans regardless of wherever you go. But then he comes to Seattle and he meets up with like these tactical heavy hitter alcoholics who are like, you guys are like the SEAL Team 6 of drunks Basically. back then. Y'all had like balaclavas and cool beards. Like y'all had those fucking, the, the schmog, the schmiga or whatever, the neck wrap mm-hmm. and cool beards, like a backwards baseball cap. And you're like, yo, 410, we're going to go in there and 8-6 this thing, all right? Mm-hmm. We're all going to get 86 tonight, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, what the fuck? <clears throat> he was just blown away. And yeah. he, and it didn't, it never occurred to me that there was like a different way of drinking. Right. It was always that I wonder way. if that's cultural though, or just him being a non-alcoholic meeting up with a bunch of fucking degenerates. I don't know. Well, I think it's That's, partially cultural because, I mean, he would go right. out with friends. And I mm-hmm. I imagine that if you are a social drinker, if you are somebody who goes out and drinks, you probably know at least one alcoholic. If you spend yeah. time in bars, if you spend time around booze, if you spend time – and I'm making a, an assumption here, but mm-hmm. I think it's probably a pretty good chance that you know no, somebody who's an is. alcoholic. And if you don't know any <clears throat> alcoholics – then you're probably the alcoholic. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, none of my friends are alcoholics. The yeah, yeah. They, we all drink normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, so, but that was just the funny thing, too. Francesco one time went into the Safeway, and he, he we told him to go get a six-pack of beer or something, and he came back, and he, he had the, um, he bought us non-alcoholic beer. And we were nice. all like, he's sit- all, here's some Becks. You guys must, <laughs> what a sacrilege. They're like, oh, Jesus, come on, man. What are we supposed to do with this? So, um, but so that, and that brings us to, uh, the next question. Well, you spent time in Europe too, though, and drank in Europe, but you drank the way you drank when you were in Europe. Fair enough. Yes. So I, I, I was in Spain and Portugal and I, so thank you for bringing this up. I remember going to, I was with a friend and we were having lunch and for whatever reason I was, I was drinking rum and orange juice. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, but whatever. So he orders his food, and I think I got something. It was one of these days where we kind of went off on our own, and then we met back up uh, mm-hmm. before cell phones. I mean, how, how do you do that? I don't know, but um, <laughs> anymore. Right. So we met back up, and he was getting food, and I think that I wasn't. And I said, I'll just have a um, – I asked the, the waiter for a rum and orange juice. And he comes out, and the waiter comes out with an empty glass, a bottle of rum, and a thing of orange juice. And he mm-hmm. starts to pour the rum, and I'm not like – paying attention or asking for anything or I'm just 
assume he's going to mix the drink for me. He keeps pouring the rum, and I finally go, whoa, 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 that's enough. So uh-huh. it was about three shots of rum, and then he filled the rest up with orange juice, oh. and that was it. And I drank it, right, because I was drinking the way that I drink. And when we got the bill, my drink was more than his meal. And so right. I think there was this um, – I feel like in my summation of this, there's this sense of personal responsibility – in Europe, that you can you choose what you how much you want to drink, whereas in America, and it may have something to do with our Puritan beginnings, but it's all regulated and restricted, and you can't have you can't get a double in Utah, and there's all these weird laws about what you can. Carry. Lots of seatbelts here. There's lots of seatbelts mm-hmm. here. You know, as far as like social <coughs> seatbelts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was something that was interesting to me, and I I was I went into many 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 bars and and drank very heavily while I was there. Uh-huh. Um but I didn't I don't think that I was self-aware enough to see any difference. I was just in another bar. Right. But that was the thing that that occurred that I was like, "Huh, this is a different way to serve alcohol." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm okay. thinking once COVID's over, maybe you should go back to Spain and Portugal as a sober man and experience it that way." I would love to. Again, I would Write love to go. I would love to go travel again, find a place and go and spend. I that was a cool thing too. Was like I spent a month there rather than the whole like two days in Paris and two days in right. Vienna and two days here and you know that seems exhausting to me. That doesn't right. seem like that wouldn't be a fun vacation for me. I think it would be really profound to experience a whole completely different culture without the without the veil of alcohol. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um All right. So on the next on the next tip, um Tony asks oh, Come on, Tony. Where are you? Tony asks, "What does um I just found it. Thank you. Okay. What brings someone from social drinker to alcoholic? What Ooh. do you What do you think, Jerry? Wow, that's a really good question. Actually, mm. I um, I, I uh, genetics. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe yes. I don't know. I, I, it depends on if it's an internal thing or if it's more of a social, like the way you're viewed socially, right? Because mm-hmm. we all have a watermark. Everybody around you has a watermark. Oh, you know, normies or you know non-alcoholics i'm sorry are like okay that's too much i'm gonna wake up with a headache tomorrow whatever so here's where i stop and it's not even like a think about it us right like we had to stop we had to consciously intentionally tell ourselves to stop where i feel like i feel like maybe a normal drinker or a normal person would just be like they just stop do you know what i mean like it's just like okay good like you know what happened last time so we're good yeah but i don't know what are you what were you gonna say I think so from what you just said the implication is that an alcoholic is that there's something intrinsically inside me and inside you that says mm-hmm. I cannot drink I have one drink right. and I will eventually be off the rails and I I can't I can't handle my booze I can't have two drinks get a little drowsy and tipsy go home and go to bed Right right so right. a social drinker and there's all these different shades of alcoholism, right? right? Mm-hmm. There's so no binary. There's to no. It, really. There's absolutely no binary that I that I can see. It's not one or the other. So, like somebody who goes out on the weekends and maybe drinks a little too much on the weekends, but is like straight the rest of the week, they may be just fine, and maybe they just drink a little too much on the weekends, and maybe that eventually, with age or 
you know, responsibility tapers off and disappears. Or it could get worse and worse and worse, where then it's not just Friday mm-hmm. and Saturday, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so I think that if you ask anybody who proclaims himself an alcoholic, they would say, I, it's, it's inside of me. Um, but, you know, you can be a heavy drinker, you can be a problem drinker, you can be... Mm-hmm. You can a binge drinker. You can be a binge drinker. So I think, um, and I know people who go and have a couple of drinks. I mean, your wife, you know, so <laughs> weird, dude. So it's still weird to me, dude. She bought a bottle of vodka. Like I think I mentioned it before, like a week ago, mm-hmm. ten days ago. There's still more than half the bottle still there. Mm-hmm. I'm like monitoring the shit. I, isn't I'm that like, isn't it funny that you are monitoring it more I'm than like she it's is? always there, right? And then like she's just <clears> like she had a really rough day two days ago, and she's like, I I I earned a drink. Mm-hmm. So she made herself a little vodka and fucking seltzer water and then a little whatever and then drank her little vodka and seltzer water and then, you know, mm-hmm. that was it. And then yeah. just put the empty glass in the sink and then went <clears throat> went to bed. And she just changed her drinking behaviors to, to match yours or to match right, ours Right, because she used to party out. with us, mm-hmm. you know. But then if you look at her, she, if I really looked at her without the alcohol behind me, I would notice she wasn't drinking nearly as much as we were. She just went out with us all the time. That's true. I'd drink 10 and she would drink three. Right. You mm-hmm. know, in my 10, she would have three. Um yeah, so I think honestly, I don't know. I guess I could Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy this shit and be Go like, "Listen, if you've if you've had at least one blackout, you might be an alcoholic." Do you know what I mean? Like, <clears> if, <throat> if you've had at least three DUIs, you might be an alcoholic. <laughs> you know, so you know, yeah. Or at least if your two kids black- aren't allowed to live with you. <laughs> probably an alcoholic, right? I right. mean, I think too. If you've had at least two blackouts, because like the first one, maybe you just didn't know your limit. You're young. You're dumb. You're young. You don't dumb. Know what you're doing. Yeah, right. You're fucking but, around, right? First day of college, you ain't got no parents. You're gonna get wild. But if you're waking up and you don't remember the night before, you might. And you're be in an your thirties. And you're in your thirties. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever been on the um, sitting on the edge of your bed doing cocaine uh, with a guy who's you know showing you his pistols and um, his his uh, briefcase full of drugs and showing you how to. Uh, take apart the pistol and load it and stuff like mm-hmm. that and you might be an alcoholic and i'm speaking if i find a bottle of vcr head cleaner under your bed <laughs> and take two really hard whips out of it i might have a problem right so i might be an alcoholic have you you know if you've ever hidden alcohol if you've ever monitored your intake of alcohol in an evening you might be an alcoholic you might listen be. in your private yeah. yeah you might be if you're in your alone time and you're like man this this is fucked up, actually. And you know you do in your alone time. If if you are, you already know the deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can be in denial, but there is that voice back there that's like, this ain't working, man. You're really fucking this up. You yeah. Know? I was thinking yeah. about the this ain't working thing, and I was um, in a Zoom meeting this morning and listening to people. And just that – and it's different. It's so, so different for everybody. And I was thinking about – somebody was talking about their their bottom and their gift of desperation. And mm-hmm. when I think about your experience and my experience and how extraordinarily – now, they were still – they were harrowing and awful and tragic, but, like, still pretty mild, right? I mean – yeah. I mean, if you can call your wife telling you she's going to leave you with the kid mild, but <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a lot more mild than what I've heard in the so, room, yeah. you know? Yeah. And 
and for me, I mean, I had, I mean, I just, I just had this epiphany and it was like, boom, oh shit, I'm going to lose everything. Do you want to lose yeah. everything, John? And, but it still, mm-hmm. it was very mild. There was no DUI. I was not court appointed to go to a meeting. I, you know, right. when you hear about the Jesus, you know, when you hear about somebody who, um, drove in a blackout and killed somebody and has to spend the rest of their life in prison at the right. age of 75 those are the extremes you know like yeah that's insane to me that's just it's terrifying so i think i think it's again we always like to say that it's up to the person you 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 know you make your own assessment about whether or not you're an alcoholic because that's really who it matters to mm-hmm. it doesn't matter to me whether or not you're an alcoholic it doesn't matter to me whether or not you're a social drinker or if you're drinking too much Right? right, because I don't have right. to go home with you, and I don't have to live that life. It's There's a, a huge difference between living and functioning. Mm. And that's why I've always like bristled at the term high functioning or function or high, you know, high functioning alcoholic. I called myself a high functioning alcoholic, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. But like, if you're just functioning, mm-hmm. you're not really living. You're just doing your function, which is to continue sucking air. And then going to sleep, and then sucking air, and going to sleep, and that's just that's what vacuum cleaners function. Do you know what I mean? People live. I don't want to be no vacuum cleaner <coughs> no more, dude. <coughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think you know. Um, I don't know. Yes, absolutely. There's definitely a, a difference between functioning and living. Living. And, and anybody can function. A machine functions, right? A vacuum, right? Sucks air. Machines function until they no longer function, and I don't. I'm not a machine. I'm a man. You're a man, man, man. I am not an animal. <laughs> That's a little elephant uh, man reference. Man, if I were a machine, though, I'd like to be a robo, robocop. Would you? you wake up? Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I'd wake up as... I'd make everybody call me Robert, so I'd be Robert Cop. <laughs> Robert Cop. <laughs> Rob um, Cop. So in, in... And I have to throw this question to you. Uh, Nicholas uh, wants to know about having a partner that drinks. What's it like having a partner that drinks? Now... Your wife doesn't mm. have a problem, so no. I mean, not a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, she's cool, man. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It never affects anything. It's never like in the beginning. It was a little rough. I remember in the very, very beginning, she was still drinking like I was used to drink, and then I stopped. Um. And so she went out and party one or two nights, and she actually would party every once in a while go out with their friends because she was like in the fashion industry and shit and mm-hmm. they all go out and party and it was like a big point of contention between us because I was like I'm trying to get my shit together and you're fucking out getting loaded and then I realized that she wasn't really out getting loaded she was just around a bunch of other people who were getting loaded but she was still doing like party behavior which is her life you know but I also was like you know these things trigger the fuck out of me and um, I don't know man a lot of it changed I think once we kind of I don't know. Once she kind of realized, oh, this isn't really working for us either. Um, I don't know. Having a partner that drinks is not a big deal now. But in the beginning, it was it was pretty rough. It right. Was, it was it was hard to watch like my partner in crime, like you know, and she didn't get drunk all the time. I think she got drunk like twice in my early recovery. But even mm-hmm. those two times, I was just like, you fucking dick. I want to be where you're at right now, and that's fucked up. It's but, not. Yeah, it, it's more um, envy. Right? Yeah. Than, than anything else. Yeah, because she wasn't also not an alcoholic. She wasn't acting out. She wasn't coming in and being like, shut up, stupid, and throwing a fucking chair at me. Mm-hmm. You know, she was just 
partying, going out dancing, and coming home a little fucking dizzy, you know. And that, like I said, that only happened like once or twice. But yeah, it was a lot of envy in the beginning. I remember talking to my old sponsor and being like, why does so-and-so get to drink and I don't? What fucking kind of world do I have to live in where this fucking piece of shit gets to drink and I don't? And my sponsor looked at me and he was like, no, that person has to drink, dude. Like, you don't have to anymore, right? And those are those big language differences of language, like flipping the language in your mind to make it work correctly, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so that was really helpful to me too. That was not connected to that question. I just kind of diverged. No, that's fine. I mean, I I think that that... I feel really... We we use the word grateful a lot, but that's because it works. Um, (laughs) I feel really grateful that there's this sense that I do not have to drink anymore, right? That I do not... That it's been lifted. It's no longer uh, an issue... For me to it's no longer an issue for me like I don't I don't have to and and you you talk about that bit of language like that's that's so important because I had to and so for me to get jealous of somebody else's or envious of somebody else's addiction is just my own my own right. addiction like like getting its feelers in me getting its fingers in me mm-hmm. getting its fucking claws in me and going like hey man remember me Remember yeah. you didn't remember we used to have fun? Now you don't have fucking fun anymore, John. You're such a no. loser. You're such a you square. You just have to do it. Square, really? Your internal voice calls you a square. Mine's like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> right? And so or right. whatever however, you know, um however it works, however it um how whatever your your alcoholism says to you, however it acts, right. I just know that like I don't have to. And just the the realization that there are other tools and other um, ways of coping with the world because that's what it was it started out as I'm in a lot of pain um, maybe I'm in a lot of pain because childhood trauma maybe I'm in a lot of pain because I just fucking am not doing what I want or whatever right. it was I didn't learn maybe anything maybe you're just a, a drunk or just a drunk right just a garden variety alcoholic mm-hmm. like good old Richard Lewis over there <laughs> And it's just, and now I go, oh, okay, there's other things I can do. I can go, mm-hmm. I can go for a run or I can, I can just sit and be. And, you know, like, and going back to the social drinking thing, I was at work last night and the chef was asking me, I don't know how it came up, but it was somebody was joking, make cracking some jokes about doing shots or doing something like that or getting fucked up somehow and I don't know how old he is. He's probably in his late 20s, 30s. I don't know. But um, he's younger than me. And he says, "When's something about a bender, going on a binge or a bender. And I said, well, he mm-hmm. said, when's the last time that you went on a bender? And I said, gosh, I mean, 2015? July 3rd, 2015. <laughs> oh, let me tell you. Do you have a minute? <laughs> I can tell you. Just pull out a big book? You're yeah, like, well. Like... <laughs> and, and he went, really? Like he was surprised. You know, and I think he, and he, I love it. Wait, I don't mean to interrupt mm-hmm. you, but all the people that work with you uh-huh. that know you're a fucking recovering alcoholic are probably in that moment, like uncomfortable. They're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. Travis, why'd you ask him that? It's about to get weird in here. Cause <laughs> you know that non drinkers look at us a little weird. Like sure. we have it, we're edgy. Like we're uncomfortable. Ooh, don't bring up the Travis. Why'd you bring up the drink? Sure. Yeah. Um, and then what'd you, did you get up on your pulpit? No, I just said. <laughs> What I say is, I unless know. somebody 
really has some questions in its work and there's not right. really there's not often time to get into it but I'll say yeah it was about 2015 man and he's like so what happened you know and I said look honestly I just I couldn't do it anymore I had to stop mm-hmm. or it was going to get worse than it already had and then it had gotten pretty bad and mm-hmm. I said that was it and so I quit and then usually it doesn't go any further than that because nobody wants yeah. to be like so how did you quit you know, and that's that's I think that's a deeper conversation, and that's not really right. something we're gonna have at work. I did have one one of my coworkers, and she said, "So, are you in like a like a one of those twelve step programs? Are you twelve step?" And I said, "Yeah, I go to AA." And um, she said, "Oh, oh, really? Yeah, wow, that's great." You know, my my mom and or something like that. And I was like, "Right I used on." To do that, yeah. And so I I don't want to. Um, you used to do that? You'd be like... Oh, yeah. There'd be people in recovery that'd come into the tattoo shop, and I'd be like, just dr- just me. Just bloated fucking whiskey pouring out of my body. You know, like, you, you can see that shit from a mile away. Uh-huh. And I was totally that person. I'd be like, oh, you do AA? Oh, so do my parents. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I think about it sometimes. But, you know, my mom and dad mm-hmm. do it. Like, like that they would all have something in common other than the fact that they all go and sit in church basements, you know? Right. Um, And, you know, these are... These are people who sip and drink, and I have no idea what they do in their personal life, you know, or how right. how deeply. And when you work in a restaurant, there's there's certainly um, it has its own fair share of you know we've got to taste the wine, we've got to ooh this new pear cider, and they'll pass around glasses, and you know I always take one, and I hold it, and they talk about it, and sometimes I'll give it a sniff, and I'll be like yeah it smells like whatever, so just really bad. <sighs> I mean, sometimes I smelled a good Cabernet the other day, and I was like, "Oh, that smells like good." I wine. think it'd be great if you just held it out at arm's length and just slowly <laughs> poured it out, and you're all, "Yeah, it looks really good." <laughs> oh yeah, really? It smell just pour it out on the floor at everybody's feet, and then just maybe drop the glass. Just drop the glass, let it shatter, and you're like, "Yeah, real good bouquet." It smells like uh, pencil shavings, and yeah. little chocolate, uh-huh. little coffee. Yeah. Little the other one I love too is the guy asking you about your bender. I would have loved it. You, I love. I tell him flat. I just lean forward. I'm like, I'm a fucking alcoholic. Like whisper it in their ear, right? And then back up and smile, real crazy. <laughs> they love it. I'm an alcoholic. Those are your two things. Next time, just pour the drink out, like slowly though, like with defiance, and be like, "Oh yeah, no, this pear cider." Looks wow! Look at that color. It's like a pea color, a nice mm-hmm. amber pea. Mm. Huh. Yeah. So it's just. Um, I, I, just, I don't think it's weird. I've held drinks. Like I've picked up Megan's drink and brought it to her. I mean, right. I'm not. You know. I just try it's to be a thing that exists. Yeah, casual, know? and then I end up handing it off to. I give it to the fucking busboy to drink. Like here you go, dude. Right. And yeah. he loves you. Oh, he's, he's like, like yeah, make it double. That fucking alcoholic <laughs> over there is giving me all of his recovery. He's giving me all his extra <laughs> mm-hmm. drinks. So it's just, yeah, it's funny. Like, what do you say when somebody says, when's your last binge? When's your last bender? And I'm like, 2015. And they're just like, fucking really? Like that? July 3rd, 2014. Yeah, basically. That was mine, yeah. 2014. July 3rd was my last binge. July 4th was my first day without a drink. Yeah, I guess mine would have been the 5th or the 4th. I I don't know. It was the 4th, but the 5th I didn't drink. I was fucking hungover. Yeah. And then I had that final beer. Um, three day hangovers man four days sometimes it lasts five days holy shit yeah and it was just that sort of oh god the five day oh i know what you mean i know dude and then you're just trying to stave it off with like a warm tumbler of fucking white wine Uh anything warm white wine in a plastic tumbler i think that was the last alcoholic drink i had was yeah warm white wine 
Gross. Like Woodbridge. Woodbridge, you know, yes. Tournament. My wife drinks Woodbridge. We do our Walmart orders, and like every two weeks, she'll get a little bottle, a bottle of Woodbridge Pinot Gris. Oh, nice. Or whatever. I don't know. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Every time she asked me to get her a bottle of wine once, I went to the store and got her. I've told you this story. I got her a two dollar bottle of wine. It was like three bucks. She was upset. Brought it back. Yeah. She was like, "What the fuck is this two buck chuck?" Because I remember she learned that term from Coda. Thanks for bringing this two buck chuck, Johnny. (laughs) Yeah. But I brought it home the cheap fucking wine, and she's like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like. I'm looking for more bang for your buck, baby. Like, right. what? It all goes down the same. She's like, no, no stupid. I'm not drinking this entire bottle Tonight. in my bathroom crying. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I once drank a whole bottle of Marsala in the bathtub, speaking of benders. Yeah, like listening to some fucking jazz thinking uh-huh. of Jack Kerouac, but yeah, really basically. just a fat guy in a tub <laughs> drinking wine. I did that too. I drank a whole pint of whiskey in the bathtub thinking I was fucking... Bukowski? Yeah, I smoked like half a pack of cigarettes. Think I was Bukowski, but I was just literally like a fat guy in '90s clothes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna put on my best cargo shorts and polo shirt after this. In your etnies, <laughs> my etnies. Um, so yeah, man, it's always funny. Like, it's because it's we we as alcoholics we get into the rooms and we have these deep conversations, these pretty heavy conversations almost immediately. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. be like, hey, how's it going? They're like, well just got out of court and uh, I'm going to be able to see my kids again for the first time in five years. And I was like, Jesus, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. But then Margaret. you're like, like genuinely you know. happy for Margaret right. too, though. You're like, you're stoked, but that's some real shit, right? That's not some shit. You tell people on the street. I've always in my whole entire life. I fucking hate small talk. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I just can't stand. I do it, but I can't stand it. I remember even like having clients be like, man, you're weird. Cause you don't like it. But then I found AA and I went in the rooms and tried to small talk with these people and they just laid that shit open yeah. and I was like, this is refreshing. Like, this is actually how people should be talking to each other. Maybe not all the guts and misery, but, you know, an honest connection, like a human connection. And I'm not saying I had it with everybody in the room. Some of those people I avoided because I was like, that person is wild. But <laughs> mm-hmm. but a lot of people I talked to, they tell you the real shit that's going on and I really appreciated that because then it yeah. opened the door for me, a narcissist, to say all my real shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I don't mind it, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. And there's plenty. There's enough small talk in the world, but it's just it's different when I know that somebody's like I think the guy who was asking me about my bender was kind of curious, but didn't really know what to ask, and it wasn't like the right time for well, me to say. And it probably has gone around the staff. It's probably not a very big staff, and no. they're probably like, "Oh, John over there doesn't drink. Like mm-hmm. he's an AA dude." So then he's probably like poking, like, "When was your right. last?" Bender. And yeah. and somebody else I work with too, they once said something about I the notion or the feeling that I got was that, well, you know, alcoholism is a personal responsibility and you have to make a choice and it's up to you. And and I didn't want to argue with him about like, well, mm-hmm. I it's actually I feel like I was born this way, you know, to quote Lady Gaga. Right. But um <laughs> but it was just this this um this moment of like, well, I'm not going to get into an argument about how I'm intrinsically alcoholic versus. Right. I used to get into those arguments at work all the time. Yeah. Well. Like every fucking day, dude. They're like, oh, it's a choice, personal responsibility, bro. Take care of I'm yourself. I'm like, the, f- the first one is. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But what about number 12? Am I still making a choice then at number 12? No. Really? Because no. I can barely. I mean, there's a big pee stain on the front of my pants. Mm-hmm. I'm missing a shoe. Mm-hmm. Like, where's my choice end and begin? Right. Eh, Which brings me to the next question. Patrick says, where did I leave my wallet? 
Um, <laughs> I think he's kidding. I don't know. Um, but I would the check the bar. The trick is to put it in your front pocket. Right. Yeah, check the bar first. Because <laughs> usually don't leave the whole wallet. Usually just leave the credit card. Mm-hmm. And then you got to come back the next day and close out the tab. And they're like, by the way, you gave us a $50 tip because you were a fucking asshole and you left your card here overnight. Mm-hmm. The second part is I always put my wallet in my front pocket now because sitting on your wallet is really bad for your back. Right. Well, I ha- me too. I mean, I have this little. I, it's more of a billfold these days. I don't. Mm-hmm. I got. I finally got rid of the big leather like clasp. I still have a big leather wallet. You got a little billfold, like a little clip that has a little Indian head nickel on it or something. Basically, yeah, and it's got a couple yeah, of slots for. I can't do that. See, and I thought the same way, man. And then I got mm-hmm. it, and I moved everything out because this other wallet was getting too big, and I would put things in it, and it was fucking sitting on it, and. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's like that. It's like leveling up. It feels like a level up because that chain wallet, the the black leather that was all cracked, and I think I had a the one that says "bad motherfucker" on it. Exactly. And it just sort of was like this. This this reminder of the other the the previous times and the uh, the old days, and so it was like, oh, okay. You're like, that's my alcoholic wallet. I can't fuck with that no more. Yeah, I think I gave it. I gave it to somebody. I was just like, Give yeah, it to you, another alcoholic. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> but I just, I just don't. Yeah, I like it. I like the little billfold. It's quick. It's easy. I don't like the way that the, the other wallets fold your money in threes and then it's all like fucking folded up. Oh yeah, I yo, you shit. read a big wallet. I just have a little leather oh, Ben okay. Sherman. I really like the <clears throat> flat plastic ones that I see advertised mm-hmm. on YouTube. Yo, if you're an alcoholic <laughs> and you own that company, get at us. I will advertise that shit and use it because those things look dope as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but Patrick, I think your wallet is either under your couch or in your significant other's car under mm-hmm. the passenger seat. I bet. There I bet you, you dropped it getting Jack in a box. <laughs> yep. And if you're sober, then it's. If you're in recovery, it's probably in the basement of a church when you took it out to put money in, in the, the basket when they in pass the hat. it around. Yeah, the seventh mm-hmm. tradition. Put your wallet down. <clears throat> Forget um, it. I've got another uh, question from Nicholas. Um, well, it's more of a problems with dental work or other things resulting in pain medication or oh, benzodiazepine. Yeah, yeah. And the dangers mm-hmm. or problems of that. I know them benzos. I don't so, fuck with benzos are like tranquilizers. Did you take them when you broke your leg? But you were drinking then. I took. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. That was the longest. My longest sober stint without alcohol is when I fucking shattered my right leg. Jesus. Because um, I was taking Percocet. Mm. And the uh, codeine or the opiate or whatever that synthetic opiate that's in Percocet like fit me like a glove. Like if I didn't go back to drinking and Percocet were a lot easier for me to get, I probably would have fucking eaten as many as I could. Um, I loved Percocet. Yeah. I loved the circus pets. But then when we were drinking, you guys would have Mm -hmm. the Percocet. Yeah. And yo, you got any of them circus pets? You know? And you guys would, I could never understand how you guys could take Vicodin and Percocet and drink. Like I was always afraid I was going to die. Like my mother pounded it into my head growing up, never take opiates or synthetic opiates and drink you will die nine times out of ten you'll die jerry but then she also said i have a friend whose son smoked crack and his heart exploded so <laughs> <laughs> i just always thought i was so fucking I jim morrison with that mm. but as far as like like i got a tooth pulled because mm-hmm. i had an abscess in it and i couldn't afford to get the tooth rebuilt i couldn't afford to get a new tooth so i just had a, it's a back molar i don't really use it i hadn't been using it anyway because i had an abscess in it i hadn't been using it for 18 months so they yanked it and so he gave me some 
acetaminophen with codeine in it, like Tylenol three, like mm-hmm. the big ones. And I just, I mean, I usually I tell them I don't take anything that's uh, a narcotic. But with this one, I was afraid it was I was going to be in a lot of pain, so I, I took them home. But I never took them. I didn't take one. I just fucking wrote it out on Tylenols. I, you know, in all luck, like I haven't had a traumatic injury yet that would necessitate the use of a painkiller. But I honestly think, for me personally, if I needed to manage pain, I'd probably try marijuana first before hmm. I would try an opiate. Um, but I, once again, like, yeah. if I were going to take any substance that would alter my consciousness i would only take it because i would needed to take it not right because at least in the beginning and i read about a lot of people who have slips i mean that dax shepherd dude is somehow having to slip on painkillers after 16 years of sobriety mm-hmm. they're sneaky as fuck but i was on benzos after um because they took me off of the percocets on my broken leg mm-hmm. and i i had real bad withdrawal from it like i couldn't oh. sleep i was sweating and shaking i was having massive insomnia from it and so the doctor put me on tranks and those benzos, I didn't like that much because yeah. they didn't feel like the Percocets. But but they'll give you benzos to come down from drinking. I think that's what they give you in the hospitals, mm-hmm. like a little bit of benzodiazepam. I wouldn't. Fu- I would definitely never take benzos and drink. That will absolutely kill you. That's not a Leanne horror story. That's <laughs> an absolute one hundred percent. Benzos and booze together will fuck your world up. Um, I say don't fuck with them unless you absolutely have to. That's my opinion. Yeah, I but, have. What I don't know. If I was going to say, I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting you. I, my answer is, if it makes you question it, don't fuck with it. If you're like, hmm, I don't know, then just, just err on the side of no. <clears throat> so I had some surgery in the spring of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter. I got a vasectomy. And, yeah, um, you talked about it before. Okay. But I just, I just want to, the, the, the delicate nature of that surgery and... It was You've been gilded. <laughs> basically, I got gilded. Um, gilded and gilded. Gilded and gilded. Um, John Staley story. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> and they gave me, I think it's Vicodin. I don't know. Um, Probably Vicodin. They like to give you Vicodin. So they gave me a bottle of Vicodin. And I told them the whole thing. I was like, look, man, like, I really don't want to fuck with this, even if there's a lot of pain. And she said, just get it in case. Right? <clears throat> And I remember there was some issue with like the prescription and getting it at the right pharmacy. And I was in a lot of pain and I was like, man, I would just love to have them. And I ended up getting them and everything worked out, but I didn't take any during the recovery process, which lasted about a week and a half or two weeks. And I just kept my, just filled my blood with uh, ibuprofen basically for the, the, yeah. the duration and I, uh, ice packs and um, so the Vicodin still lives there. It still lives in the um, in the bathroom. And I think I gave a couple to a friend of mine who had a tooth issue. And I know you're not supposed to whatever. And but it wasn't it wasn't like I want to fucking party. It was right. So you know, and I, I'm, I keep them because I feel like there may be a time where it seems necessary. And I don't think that I'm ever. I think, you know, I've had a few sad moments where it's like, well, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to take a painkiller and kill this pain? And it's like, well, John, you live in a house that has fucking gin in the cupboard. So, you know, it's the same exact thing. That's that's right. how I look at it, right? It's just right. like I live with it, and I don't have a problem with it, and I don't feel tempted by it. It's just mm-hmm. kind of there. And there have been those moments right. where – and we all have those moments where you're like, man, 
life sucks. I just want to get wasted and forget about it, regardless of how I get there. I just want to, mm-hmm. but I think, um, I, again, I, I, like you said, I haven't had a traumatic injury, injury, injury that has, <laughs> that, that has necessitated hardcore painkillers. Right. Or benzos or whatever. And so, yeah, I don't know what I would do if I, God forbid, I hurt myself to the point of like not being able to even sleep or recuperate Dude, without it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Thank God. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm so grateful that at least at this point in time, we haven't hit that point in my life yet where I start creaking and shit. I love the whiteboard behind you with the big Q on it. <laughs> you like that? Jeez That's Louise. <laughs> when, yeah. When they, when the Qs take over, when QAnon takes over, maybe you'll be happy with oh, those fucking tranks or those painkillers right then you can trade them right exactly them for goods well, and see, services that's the that's the other thing like yo my- i got some coating i'll trade you for that goat <laughs> well i have a couple bottles of wine that are mine too that i've kept they got they gave me it for some party i worked and i was like mm-hmm. i use them as uh, the way i see it is like it's a commodity it's a it's a birthday present right. it's um it's a birthday it's a christmas present have- you may end up at some point in your future with someone over who does like a occasional Here, glass, have a glass of, wine. of wine or go to a party and you can bring a nice bottle of wine. And so boom, right? here's, so, here's your fucking, it's a new baby mitzvah. Here you go. Boom. Bar, that yeah. being said, I think that I have a little more um, experience with being sober around it, being that I tended bar for a few, yeah. for a couple years while mm-hmm. I, and still to, to this day work with booze, work with wine and beer um, and don't drink. So I would just say be careful. And the other thing about dental work, and I just recently went to the dentist, and um, they were like, well, we see some decay here, and we're not going to go in and give you fillings for these, but they're going to do this fluoride treatment, blah, 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 whatever. And the woman was like, John, do you floss? And I said, no, not really. And she said, you need to start flossing. It's going to be the one most important thing that you do to keep the decay down, like get up in there and right. take care of it. And I was like, fuck. And she's like, it's going to help you in the long run. And so when I think I about- I do it all the time, dude. It's not hard. Yeah, I know. It's seriously, I just do it in front of the TV, up, 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 up next to my wife. I'm like, yeah, it's gross, but I'm doing it. Yeah. You gotta live with me. Anyway, I got the same um, lecture when they were cleaning my teeth and the lady's like, you got some fucking pockets in here, bruh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, are you flossing? I'm like, well, I flossed today because I knew I was going to come see you. And then we all laughed. And then she's like, all jokes aside, mm-hmm. your shit will all fall out if you don't floss. And that's our dental portion of recovery. So Dude, your teeth do get all fucked up from drinking, though. They get really fucked up. And because smoking. Smoking, drinking, all the and all the, shit all the bad food that comes with it, right? All the sugar yeah. and fat and grease and fucking passing out without brushing your teeth after fucking jacking right. the box and a bag of jelly beans and a quart of fucking rum. <laughs> I, I, dude, I know. That's like the Wagner diet right there. <laughs> so I, I, I would I would say, though, like I wouldn't. I don't mean I keep interrupting you. I apologize. Mm-hmm. But I was but what I'm saying is really important. Yes. Please. <laughs> no. I would say don't don't take the painkillers. I would say maybe Yeah, once again, if it gives you pause, don't fuck with it. Mm-hmm. You know. Last resort. Yeah. Last resort. Last fucking resort. I mean, I don't see if there's got if there's any other way. And you're right. I mean, I would probably be the same way. I'd probably go medical marijuana before I would do the opiates right 
Yeah. At least with the weed, it's not physically addictive. It's still right. emotionally and mentally. It can be very addictive, like dependent. You can get very dependent. But on if I'm shit, managing but... pain, and thankfully as an alcoholic, <sighs> I am used to and I have a high tolerance of pain. All right. This is like our fucking, dr- once again, tactical heavy hitters, dude. We're tactical drunks. Like, and I'm like, I can manage pain pretty well from my alcoholism. That's right? the one I think. Well, that's one of the many positives I got out of active mm-hmm. alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Well, the other one was actually quitting drinking was probably the yes. biggest positive part. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's like Ouroboros, man. Snail eating its tail. Mm-hmm. I was like, the best thing that came from drinking was quitting drinking. Yep. That's good. Wrap your fucking mind around that shit. Yeah. That's true, man. It's true. Um, I have a question here from Kay, and she wants to know about non-alcoholic quote-unquote booze is it a trigger or not how do you feel i mean i i'm not interested in non-alcoholic beer i think there was a period where i took a couple months off while i was drinking and so i would i was the only one not drinking so you Mm -hmm. guys would come over and we would party but i wouldn't drink and so i had like a six-pack of non-alcoholic beer just so i could feel like i had something in my hand um but i don't have it in the house i'm not interested in it right no, neither am I. Here's my main reason. Beer tastes like shit. I hate beer. It's fucking disgusting. The mm-hmm. reason why I drank beer is so I could get drunk. And I right. never rarely drank beer. And I would have no idea what non-alcoholic bourbon would taste like. It's probably just fucking tea. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, So to me, the non-alcoholic beer is what's the point? I'm just drinking something that tastes awful to me. Now, if you're one of those weird motherfuckers that like to taste the beer... I, I, I guess it's all personally dependent, you know? I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's like putting on the camouflage of a drinker without drinking. I, I guess for every single person, it's different. My personal opinion is, nah, because yeah. beer tastes awful. I hate beer. I've never liked it. I've never had a beer where I've been like, this is the most delicious beer. Well, I've... No. I've I, so I've been a beer drinker. I was a you beer were, drinker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I remember like thinking, oh, Bitburger Drive is a good non-alcoholic beverage. Is non-alcoholic mm-hmm. beer, and Heineken makes a zero zero whatever. But yeah, I just don't see the appeal. I wouldn't want to spend nine dollars on a six pack of beer when I could, you know, get a get a twelve pack of seltzer water and be fine with it. Right. Um, and if you're gonna be. Uh, 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 <clears throat> I don't know. If you're going to be favoring yourself in that way, you might as well just get a fucking 12-pack of Diet Cokes or something. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if you're going to be indulging yourself in that manner, why get beer? Just get a bunch of frescas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there are... There's, so there's this huge movement. Oh, well, huge is prob- is a big did, word. Did you interview one of these people? Does the Not yet. Um, <laughs> but I was, I'm curious about it because there's this guy I follow on TikTok who makes all these non-alcoholic cocktails. And it has non-alcoholic right. rum, non-alcoholic whiskey, right? So what is it? I don't well, know. Is it just sugar and tea? Is it yeah, like, you know, like you know, spiced chai and something? So I don't know. But he makes all these cocktails with it. And so I, for me, I guess being a bartender and now being sober, I'm not interested in the cocktail culture anymore. Yeah. But I use? think if, again, it's you're right. It's so different, right? And so if somebody were trying to, I don't know, have a sober October – or maybe wanted to get into having some people were into fun drinks. Now I'm just not mm-hmm. into fun drinks anymore. I used to be. Right. I used to really care about it. I've got books still right. on my shelf about fun drinks. I have notebooks right. filled with fun drinks that I made, but I don't really care anymore. Um, but that being said, 
I think it's interesting that people are doing this. And I think, I think there's some value in it in that if you wanted to have a non-alcoholic old fashioned, I mean, Mm -hmm. again, me personally, I don't see the point, but right. Same here. I think there's an, a notion again, we're talking pre COVID where there's, I did have a, I did. So I interviewed the guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I totally did. This is a different dude, but Sandsbar and he does, um, Chris Marshall on Sandsbar. I can't believe I forgot that. So it's basically, it's, it's more about the, a place for people to come and, and congregate and socialize and not have to have the pressures of alcohol. Right. So, yeah. and you, if you listen to the, to the podcast that I did with him, the conversation, he's like, the drinks are great, but my focus is not on the drinks. My focus is right. on like having a cool space and being able to go and hang out and not have people feel pressured by alcohol. And it's not just like I have to drink or you're going to drink or, you know, people don't like to go to bars. A lot of times I remember women don't like to go to bars cause fucking drunk dudes are there. Yeah. yeah <laughs> drunk dudes are the worst. We're so fucking bad. So I think that there is some value to it. I just know that for me, like, I guess maybe having a ginger, rosemary, lemongrass, spritz, seltzer, spritzer would be fine, would be fun. But yeah, but I'll have a club soda and lime. Right. So I don't think there's a trigger to it. Um, I just, I wouldn't, if if they had non-alcoholic beer at a wedding that I was at, I wouldn't partake i would just get a glass of water it just seems like an empty gesture right. like it's just it's, it's just right. like i don't know it's like doing sign language in the dark like no one's gonna fucking <laughs> see that shit you know like <laughs> that's a weird metaphor mm-hmm. but to me it's just there's no payoff so what's the deal and i'm here to drink i'm drinking to get drunk i'm not drinking because booze and cocktails taste good and that's you and i they don't and that's mm-hmm. just you and i and some people make right your your reason for not drinking could be vastly different from mine or Jerry's. Your reason right. for not drinking could be I got to get up in the morning. Your reason for not right. drinking could be I just don't feel like it, you know, or I don't want to have a hangover or any number right. of reasons, right? Any number of reasons, right? Are you trying to cut weight for a big wrestling mm-hmm. championship or something? <laughs> All that stuff. Right? So. so go ahead. NA, though, that NA probably has calories in it, too, though. Some of it does know. and some of it doesn't. Dude, this counting calorie shit is a trip when I think about alcohol. Like, right? that each beer is like 100 calories or something, 160 calories, depending mm-hmm. on the beer. That's like a fucking brownie. Mm-hmm. And then I just ate 12 brownies. Basically, Fuck yeah. That. Like a shot is like, I don't know exactly the number, but it's it's quite a bit. A shot is a lot of calories in it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? Don't drink non-alcoholic. If you want non-alcoholic drink, get a nice guava juice. Get right. a nice lychee. One of those cans of lychee drinks. Get a fucking Capri Sun. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah. I don't think it's a trigger. It wouldn't be a trigger for me, and I. But I would not be. I'm not attracted to the uh, non-alcoholic beer. Nah, me neither. Yeah, that's two thumbs down from John and Jerry. <laughs> but please, do what makes you feel good. Enjoy yourself because life is meant to be enjoyed at some points. Yes, and sometimes it's meant to be you know trudged through. So all right. So what about meditation? What, what does meditation it? mean to you? How does it help? Do you do it every day? I don't do it every day. Me neither. Um, I'll say this. I've done it a lot in the past. I do it occasionally. Um, Mm -hmm. I do have this sort of um, pre-run stretch that I do that I now play this specific song, this like 15-minute ambient song. So there's a certain level of of meditative – there's a meditative – 
quality to it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I highly suggest the Headspace app. You can get like the first 10 days free. It's like 100 bucks a year, which sounds insane until you go look at your fucking bar tab from your last bender. And then you're like, right. oh, okay, that's not that big a deal. But the cool thing about this is that there's tons of guided meditations. And, um, and so it, so I've learned like how to sit quietly, which, you know, you, these are things we got to learn as alcoholics, how to yeah. like, you know, scan my head, toes, do the whole thing, get the breath down, find the, find the soft focus, close my eyes, do all that stuff. There's the liquid sunlight that comes down through and it, it like they go, they take, I know, right. <laughs> but I highly suggest it for anybody. I mean, there's a reason they prayer meditation it's all in there right um but that could be anything it doesn't have to be sitting lotus style yeah it could just be a practice like something that you already do that puts you into like when i paint and listen to audiobooks it's almost a form of meditation because i'm quietly listening to someone else and just Mm. it's just being the flow of the thing you know i was thinking about meditation i meditated a lot and i didn't like it because i didn't see any um results I was like, man, I thought I'd be calmer, more zen. And then the more and more I did it, I realized that the result of meditation was the meditation itself. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't the result wasn't this lasting thing where I'd walk around floating around all day. It was more like this being able to meditate and be in the moment of meditation was the actual result of the meditation. Right. Um, but I don't really fuck with it very much. I pray, but even my prayer is... Right. Well, because I'm such an individual, it's such a different type of prayer. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Every night, it's just more of a prayer of gratitude. I need to sit down and be grateful for what I have, whether it's provided by some benevolent sky man mm-hmm. or a bear or whatever my fucking higher power is, or it's just the universe itself, or it's just circumstance and, and chance and fucking total coincidence. I still have to be grateful for it because I think entitlement will fuck you up. It'll definitely build resentments and shit, and I don't Always. want to be entitled. And I can be very entitled at times, so right. I got to check it. I got to check it before I wreck it, you know? And I would say to Krista on the on the point of meditation, too, one of the things that always comes up in my head uh, is I don't have time, right? And so... Same here, yeah. So when I, whenever I have that, that notion that I don't have time to do something like meditate for 10 minutes... I always like to look back at my screen time app on my phone. You know, I have it. I have it all marked off, and I have I have alerts and um, warnings for like an hour max on all social media. So that's so that it will come up and it will tell me. Now I can always just remove it and keep going, keep scrolling if I really feel compelled to. But I go well, like if I just spend an hour on Instagram, TikTok. Facebook, Twitter, Imgur, whatever it is. If I spend an hour a day, are you telling me I can't squeeze in 10 minutes to meditate? Like, come on, John. Mm -hmm. So that's something also that's helpful to me in just helping me to be mindful of how I budget my time. Right. Um, So that's something that I'll look at and be like, okay, so maybe meditate, maybe go get some stretches in, maybe go exercise, lift those weights. You have time. And I think there's a nice feeling once I get the meditation done and I kind of open my eyes and I really do genuinely feel mindfully relaxed. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. Hmm. That's real good. (laughs) So, Not me. Not you? No, I just get up and go. 
Oh. But we're both different types of people. Right. I'm, I'm like a shaky fucking chihuahua. Yes, yes, you are. I'm a I'm a vibrating man. <laughs> so I want to <laughs> I want to end this. Um, Let's end it. One last one from Princess Mora. Um, she says, "What what are your thoughts on AA as a program for quitting, as well as their requirement for the higher power?" Do you think it's the best program out there? Do you think others work just as well? What do you think is the most important aspect of it or any program meant to help people quit drinking? So oh, that's man, a big... That's a, that's a meaty one, right? We were closing so, out. I was like, good, I get to go pee now. No, right. We got to get well, into the meat of the motherfucker. <laughs> so my, I'll say this. The requirements for a higher power is simply that you have one. That's now, it. I don't know, man. First of all, Okay. I don't think there. Well, I mean, I I don't mm. agree with that. I don't. I don't think there is a okay. requirement for a higher power. It's not required that you no. need a higher power. It's strongly suggested. It you could. It could be helpful, but it's not like when you walk in the door, they're like, "We require you have a higher power. You'll never get sober." Right. Right. I, I think a lot of people, in their zealousness, and their. Um, enthusiasm have really fucked AA up for a lot of other people. I stand and I don't think they're coming from a... Oh, no, I don't mean you. I just mean I don't think that these people who are zealous about AA have malevolent intent. I just think they're so excited about the program working for them that they put down edicts and they say, these are the rules. You need to follow these rules. You don't even have to not drink to be an AA. You can go to meetings drunk as a motherfucker. We might kick you out if you're being wild, but... Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's not about me trying to check you, correct you. I just, well, I don't, this is just my opinion because maybe for you it is a requirement. You know what I mean? In your own personal recovery, you know. Yes, uh, it right. is now. I, I, so, but I don't yeah. think just speaking, speaking uh, generally, general, you are correct. It mm-hmm. is highly suggested, and it is has been extraordinarily helpful for me. Um, do I think it's the best program out there? Again, this is all fucking subjective, right? It, I mean, it really we, is. Right. It's the it best is. program and for I, me. Right. Yes, exactly. Same here. And I think of the verbiage of the question too. Is it the best program for quitting? I don't know if it's the best to quit. I think it's the best to help you deal with the fallout of quitting. Um, you can mm-hmm. use it to help you quit, absolutely. But for me personally, I had already quit when I had come into the rooms AA. Me so too. my experience was this is helping me deal with find a new emotional and psychological tools to deal with the fallout of living mm-hmm. my life this specific way. Right. And I still have a higher power. I absolutely have a higher power. Right. I just, man, I just, I don't, the hardliners always bummed me out, dude. I always, you know, but they got to do their thing too. But you know, um, and there's all, there's, you know, you read Annie, um, I was going to say Anne Rice, uh, Annie Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Annie Rice. I mean, Interview with a Vampire. That's that's a whole different uh, podcast. But um, Annie Grace takes a more clinical and um, psychological uh, direction. You read The Refuge Recovery, which I, I really enjoy the Buddhist aspect of it. And it's very mellow and right. calm. But mm-hmm. but I don't feel like it has the structure that I require to mm-hmm. um, to keep myself in order and keep myself in check. Um, you know, the Russell Brand book recovery gives a more general overview, uh, Mm -hmm. but still follows those 12 steps. So there's, there's moderation management, right? Um, right. All those things. There's so many different ways. It's just like, what's the best way to quit smoking? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Is it Chantix? Is it 
nicotine gum? Is it vaporizing? Is it just cold turkey? I mean, we all have our different techniques of right. trying to free ourselves from a physical and emotional mm-hmm. addiction. Right. I'd say that for me, AA worked for me. I would mm-hmm. re- only recommend it to people because it's the thing that worked for me. Right. Like if I had other venues, I would be like, explore these other venues because there are aspects of AA that I have problems with. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. a completely perfect, unfaulted program. There are definitely issues I have with it. But it worked sure. for me when I needed it. And I do attend to meetings, not as much as John does, but I attend them occasionally. And I always, no, not always, I majority of the time tend to leave there feeling better than when I walked in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And she says, what's the most important aspect of it? I would say, um, for me personally, the structure, but... The most important aspect, I think, generally speaking, is that it's suggestive. And mm-hmm. that, like Jerry said at the top of this question, um, it's so important because, come on, man, we're alcoholics and we don't like to be told what to do. No, that's, yeah. That's the most important aspect is that take it or fucking leave it. Word. But it's suggestive. And that's that's the easiest way that I found I was able to take it and use it and have right. it be a way of life. So, yeah. Good luck. And good luck out there in the world. There were there were a couple other questions I think we'll save for next week because um they had to deal with relationships and I thought that would be a good R and we could talk about oh, relationships. That's a good one, yeah. Talk so, about our um, relationship. Our you and I, yes. Yeah. Um so <laughs> but there was there was some stuff about dating and stuff which I know that you and I both don't really know much about but um well, Not I mean sober not sober so we'll leave that until next week um thank you guys everybody who uh who shared questions and thanks for helping us fill another hour podcasting and uh yeah talking sobriety and be well and take care and uh we'll do it again soon yeah looking forward to it thanks john (laughs) later later thanks again for listening Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.